Give the Lord a hand of praise. He's worthy. Worthy. So worthy. So worthy to be praised. Choir singing the prayer of Jabaz. Oh Lord, bless me. Indeed. Come with us this morning to the New Testament Gospel of Luke, Luke 13, verses 31 through 35. Luke 13, verses 31 through 35. And as you're ready, won't you stand or sit? Just be in reverence to God's word. And listen now for the word of the Lord. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. That fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent by God to them. How often, Jerusalem, have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house left to you. It's left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Smile at someone this morning. Because you can. Now won't you pray with and for me. Oh God, as I stand before your children this day, consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine, let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Let the church say amen. amen. 
Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Obstacles, obstacles will come. Obstacles will come. And they really come when you're trying to do something good. Talking about obstacles. May I remind you that during these 40 days of Lent, that we as a church, you'll be hearing sermons. Sermons about and learning life lessons from the scriptures that deal with the last days Jesus spent before his assignment to die for our, on our behalf on an old rugged cross. Beloved, we find Jesus on his way to Jerusalem during the last week of his life, and he prepared his disciples for ministry, and he taught the crowds about the kingdom of God, and just just as he was finishing his preaching, a group of Pharisees. Now, I hope you know who the scribes and Pharisees were. They were the church people. Oops. Yeah, Jesus had more problems out of the church people than anybody else. A group of Pharisees approached him with the warning. They said, Jesus, you better get away from here. You better go because Herod wants to kill you. Now, on the surface, that seemed like a, a decent thing. That advice is seemingly kind of compassionate and concerning. But you have to remember who the Pharisees were. They were the religious leaders of the day, and they hated Jesus because of his teachings and his miracles and his popularity that threatened their authority. So even though their words appear to have Jesus's best interests in mind, they were really using it as a trick to scare Jesus to go away. Because the bottom line was that they wanted Jesus to go. Now, that was a clever lie, clever lie, a scheme on their part to get rid of Jesus by saying something that would make him go rather than doing something that would make him go. It would seem like Jesus did it and not them. Oh, I'm telling you, they were being sneaky and conniving and convincing and evil. In other words, they were trying to get over on Jesus. Don't be laughing at them. I said they were trying to get over on Jesus. But the Pharisees, the religious people, they didn't understand who they were dealing with. Oh, they were church people, but they didn't understand who they were dealing with. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody need to know. You don't mess. Tell your neighbor, say, don't mess with Jesus. They didn't realize that Jesus is God in human flesh. And he saw right through their pathetic trick. You can't fool Jesus. You might fool me. You might fool somebody else. But you can't fool Jesus. They didn't realize that intimidation tactics didn't work on Jesus. They didn't realize that it's impossible to trick or manipulate or get over on, on uh, the king of kings and the lord 
of Lords. And Jesus came back with a response because Jesus was not always, most of the time he wasn't a sweet little Jesus boy that we try to make Jesus be. See, you can't be no sweet little Jesus boy and suffer like Jesus suffered and do the things like Jesus did and, and face the obstacles that Jesus had and go to the cross anyway. No, you can't be no sweet little Jesus boy. And so Jesus, we're going to have to look at this, came back with a response that they would never thought that Jesus would say. You know, I've had people say to me when I was, you know, kind of saying something, defending myself, they say, but you are a Christian. Going, being a Christian is not synonymous with being a fool. And if you take me too far, I can't promise you nothing. Here's Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus, God. Jesus came back with a response that they would have never thought he would say. Jesus exposed their scheme with a command. Look, you go tell that fox. Now, back in that day to call somebody a fox, maybe today too, was not a good thing. Jesus calling Herod the president, the king, the man in charge, a fox. Just kind of catches us a little off guard here, Jesus. You go tell that fox. Let's just, let's just take a break here for a minute. Because we're going to have to work with this a little while because I don't want none of y'all to get in trouble. I'm talking about Jesus now. Jesus calling Herod a fox. Well, the question is, did Jesus really call people by name? Did he call them out of their name? Did he call people by name? Well, if you know the scripture, you know that he did when it was appropriate. He, 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 he didn't do it to hurt people's feelings or out of childish anger or to be unkind. But Jesus... Like the old folks used to say, Jesus called a spade a spade. Is that what they used to say? Somebody say amen. amen. Well, what did Jesus mean by calling Herod a fox? A fox is a small, weak, willy animal that lives by cunning rather than by strength. So Jesus was drawing attention to Herod's crafty, treacherous side. Let me tell you something about Herod. Herod wasn't even a man worthy of respect. He had divorced his wife to marry his own niece. Somebody say, ooh, -hoo. yeah, he did. There's some characters in the Bible. I'm going to tell you all about them. They ain't in it for a reason. Divorced his wife to marry his own niece who happened to be his own brother's wife. <laughs> this is messy. This is nasty. <laughs> Herod beheaded John the Baptist because of a foolish promise made at a birthday party. I'm talking about Herod now. He was a man of weak character who used his political power for selfish ends. Herod was a father. Now, beloved, as your pastor, I need to be very careful here. 
Because as Christians, as Christians, we are called to love, forgive, be steadfast, and be courteous to other people. As a Christian, that's what we're supposed to be. That's right. And so we should not go around calling people by name as a general rule. That ain't supposed to come out of your mouth every time you open it. That ain't supposed to come out of your mouth every time somebody does something to you. Somebody help me up in here. I just want to get this straight because I don't want y'all leaving, calling people names and say, well, Jesus did. No, that ain't what they... Let me, let, me, let me try to get this straight. Because Jesus called people names, but he rarely did that. But, however, I love those two words. There are times when we need to call a spade a spade. We talk about being politically correct today. The devil is a lie. Sometimes a thief needs to be called a thief. Sometimes the unfaithful spouse must be called an adulterer. The child pornographer, the child abuser, both need to be called a pervert. Now that's, that's what I can't take that. I can't take you messing with no child. I, I had to put somebody out of the church. I can't take, I can't pastor you. I can't, I, I can't, no, man, no. <laughs> no. That one pastor can't tolerate at all, period. To mess with those who can't help themselves. To touch a child, you are going to hell, pervert. Because there are times when evil must be confronted and named. We got to stop being cute and stop trying to hurt people's feelings because let me tell you something. I'd rather for you to hurt my feelings than to not say nothing to me and I end up in hell when all you had to do was hurt my feelings so I could go to heaven. There are times when evil must be confronted. There are times when Herod needed to be called a fox. I'm just saying. Jesus said, and I quote, go tell that fox that I cast out demons and perform healings on people today and tomorrow and the day following and on the third day. In other words, I can do whatever I want to. I'm God. He said, however, it is necessary for me to travel today, tomorrow, and the next day because it is impossible for a prophet once sent to the people by God to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Now, let's see. What, 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 what does all that mean? Beloved, nothing could stop Jesus from completing his ministry or his mission on earth. Not people, not family. Not things, nobody could stop Jesus from doing what God told him to do. Nobody ought to be able to stop the church from doing what God tells her to do. No obstacle that could delay him, no enemy deter him, no threat defeat him. His mission, 
his assignment from God was more important than life itself. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Jesus was determined to do the work he was called to do. Like an athlete running a race, a champion competing on a course, he would keep going until the end. Look at your neighbor and say, finish God's work. favorite scripture so I hope that God will use my life to finish my assignment so that my life would have given him glory well Jesus' commitment to his mission serves as an inspiration for us to remain committed to his mission in this world Jesus has called all of us to preach the good news of the kingdom, feed the hungry, care for the poor and the needy, and to promote justice and ethics wherever we go. Everything goes back because God has fixed it that way, to having people. And so when you don't have enough people, you really can't do missions like you ought to. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, when you don't have people, then you can't have the money you need to feed the hungry. Because, see, we just think giving a sandwich, that ain't enough. When you don't have people. See, God said go get people. So today if we don't have people, ain't nothing going to work right. Because God has fixed it that way. Sometimes the devil tries to deceive us into walking away. We get distracted. Oh, I can talk about this denomination. We get distracted with meetings. And issues and power. We always bringing up some issue. We ain't solved no issue yet. <laughs> but the devil keeps us distracted as we deal with this issue and that issue and that issue and that issue. If you're going to call a general conference around some issues, let's deal with reparations. That's what I say all the time. Look, let's deal with some issues. Let's deal with what's happened to black males in the last 50 years. Let's deal with the prison industrial complex. You want to deal with some issues? Let's deal with the pain and the hurt that no other woman has felt in this country like a black woman from losing her children and her family and her very dignity. Let's deal with some issues. Just put them on the plate. From issue to issue to issue, sometimes we get intimidated We get frustrated, or we get just weary. God, I've been there so many times, weary in the work of the Lord. I'll never forget a mother of the church many, many years ago, and people still are, are really mean. They're just mean in the church. Some of them just mean, mean. And I started crying because one of the members said something that hurt my feelings. And mother said, come here, preacher. She took me in my office. 
She said, listen, preacher, God called you to preach and to pastor these people. He ain't called you to let them hurt your feelings. He ain't called you for them to intimidate you in any way. And so I'm going to tell you right here, don't you ever let these colored people make you cry. She said, if you got to cry, call me. Cry in my house. We'll cry in your office. But you ain't going to never in public let them make you cry. I said, yes, ma'am. I've never forgotten her words. Sometimes you feel just like running away. But you can't run away. Because you put God before yourself. But just as Jesus remained focused on his task, so should we remain committed to our task. Don't be going off into all this stuff people be saying and doing. Stay focused on the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. May we continue to journey together with Jesus and work for the redemption of souls in this sinful world. Our mission is to go and make disciples for Jesus Christ. For what? For the transformation of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your focus on the mission. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, child of God, Jesus knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. And as he thought about it, sorrow and pain just, just welled up in his soul. And Jesus began to whisper, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And when the Bible, it says Jesus wept. The question is, what made him weep? Jesus looked over the city. And it was so messed up, it made him cry. Here again, Jesus is so sad because of the way Jerusalem, the church people were acting. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets. The Bible says, Touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. The Bible says, I will bless those who bless the prophet, and I will curse those who curse the prophet. Never be a church that kills the prophets, because a prophet is a gift from God to the church. So when you mess with a prophet, you're messing with God himself. He said, Jerusalem, you're the city that kills the prophets. And you stone those who are sent to you. Oh, the feelings and pain of this words came from acknowledging Jerusalem's reputation for rejecting and murdering prophets and preachers sent to them by God. Of all the cities, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, be 
because of its privileged position in Israelite history, Jerusalem should have recognized God's messengers. But Jerusalem was blinded by selfish ambition. Makes your neighbor say, what a shame. So then Jesus speaks in the first person for God as a, is typical of a prophet. Because the prophet says, thus says the Lord. You know, I'm just a messenger. Don't get mad at me. Thus says the Lord. And he explained how he longed in his heart to care for and protect Jerusalem as he cares for his chicks. I've been a pastor in a church where people didn't even want the pastor to care for them. Ain't that pitiful? Is there a more tender image than this? Jesus yearned to gather all of the lost and the broken people into his loving arms. That's what he wanted to do. Y'all a mess, but I love you. If you just let me love you. However, Chickens didn't want to stay in the nest. An image of Israel's unwillingness to receive God's salvation power that would save them from their sins. And if you are not saved, then you are isolated from God. You're isolated from his protective care. You, you see, one of the consequences of rejecting God's will is that people get what they ask for. And in this case, the house in the scripture, which represents the city of Jerusalem, would be forsaken. Oh, my God, when I look at empty churches and some of our denominations that are just going down, I said, when will it make us humble enough to say, God, we're sorry. When will it make us humble enough to say, God, we lost focus? When will it humble enough to say, God, I'm sorry, not my will, but thy will be done? When will it humble us enough? And so the city of Jerusalem was forsaken by God. The city was abandoned by God. Sometimes I look at the way our lives turn out and we want to blame God when God had nothing to do with it, boo. It's just that it's God's way or no way because he doesn't play with us like that. And the consequences of Jerusalem eventually came to pass. When Jerusalem was demolished by the Romans. Oh, my beloved. What happened to Jerusalem? Could happen to any nation, city, church, or individual who refuses to find safety in Jesus the Christ. If we will not come to him, we will be forsaken by God and eventually be 
destroyed. So Jesus extends his tender wings and offers us salvation. He offers us our deliverance. And not just to us, but to everybody today. And just like the city of Jerusalem, America wants to reject Jesus. And you know, people today reject Jesus for all kinds of reasons. Some people believe that they can get to heaven their own way. Some people believe they can work their way in. We've been accused of that, work righteousness. We talk all about our missions because we think doing good work is going to get us in. It's called work righteousness. Uh, but really, anybody can do missions. It's according to what's in your heart when you do the mission. Somebody help me up in here today. You can't work your way into heaven. You can love your way into heaven. You can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to get in heaven. You can have Jesus' face in your heart to get in heaven. But you can't be good enough on your own, and you can't work on your own. Jesus will get us into heaven. Somebody say amen. So it is the Jesus within us that will make us good enough for God. People say, but I'm a good person, but that ain't enough. Because you can never be good enough without Jesus. I'm just so happy I'm a Christian. I'm so happy I'm saved. Because it keeps me out of a whole lot of trouble. Well, Sometimes I'm good. That ain't me. That's God. Sometimes I shut my mouth and don't say nothing. And I used to curse a little bit, but I don't even do that no more. Every time. And I'm, I'm quick to say, sorry, Lord, because you got to know when you're wrong. You can't act like God didn't hear you. And now I don't even like to be around people who curse all the time. I don't have nothing. You know, I know some, some people who feel and say, but it just gets to me now. Just, I don't. I never heard my mama say a curse word. When I went to New York and I came back and I was dancing and saying a few words, my mama said, my God, <laughs> what happened to you? Did you go to change them? <laughs> or did they change you? I say, mama, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Watch your mouth. It is the Jesus within us. Other people reject Jesus because they are skeptics. They, they refuse to believe in anything they can't see, feel, touch, understand, or control. There's something kind of wrong with us today. We want to be in control. But, but in my experience as a pastor, the primary reason why people reject Jesus is because they've not met him in you and in me. <laughs> they've not heard about him from you from me they are self-centered and the bottom line is they don't want to change and give up the sin they find themselves in people today are content 
doing it their way. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you'll never get to heaven saying, I did it my way. You'll never get to heaven saying, I did it my way. And so, beloved, this was precisely Jerusalem's problem. The people wanted to live their lives their own way, and they didn't want God or anyone else telling them what they could and could not do. They were simply not willing to repent. They didn't want to change. They weren't going to turn around. They weren't going to take no detours. They would rather wallow in their sin than take the Savior's offer of salvation. And so, just look at the final words of verse 34 again. The Bible says... And they were not willing. So allow me to conclude this sermon where Jesus concluded it. He said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He was speaking here about his second coming at the end of history. Oh, oh, that great day. I'm talking about that great day. Just to behold his face at the end of history. On that great day when Jesus returns, everyone will know that Jesus is Lord, including everyone who rejected him. Every eye will see him, every knee will bow before him, and every tongue will confess his name. His second coming will mean salvation for many of us, but damnation for those who never received Jesus by faith. Look at your neighbor and say, call it what it is. Because when, beloved, when we really receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, when we really receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, there is no mountain too high, no valley too deep, no thing too hard for us to do in order for us to do his will. All obstacles will come, but there's nothing too hard for God. Oh, yeah, setbacks will happen, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, Satan will attack on every hand. In fact, when Satan is really attacking you, he's keeping you from something good. He don't attack you to keep you from something bad. He wants you to do something bad. The greatest attack comes before the greatest blessing. They say, Satan, I can't wait for you to quit playing because when you quit playing with me, you just don't know what God has for me. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ever ask or think. You can't intimidate me. Get thee behind me, Satan. Oh, for great is he who is in me than he who is in the world. God has something for me to do that will give him glory. And I will wear a crown. <laughs> oh, Jesus never gave up. Never gave in. He kept his eye on the prize. He endured the pain. He ran his race. He kept his faith. And so let us follow in the footsteps of Jesus. 
We are the church of Jesus Christ. We don't let the world see us cry. We are the church of Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. We don't give up. We don't give in. We don't quit. We are the church. And what's broken, we will fix. What's wrong, we will change. We'll take a mess and make a miracle. We'll work wonders in the name of Jesus Christ. Now don't think you don't get tired. Oh, you get so tired. But you have to remember that the end is going to come. And you're not working for this because this world is not our home. We're just, we just passing through. But some glad morning, when this life is over, I want to be able to fly away. To a place on that celestial shore. I just want to be able to fly away. And so ask yourself, must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all the world go free. Say, no, 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 no. Say it. No, 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 no. Remember, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. Being a Christian is not easy. Oh, but it's worth it. worth it and so our theme song will be hope I really want this to be our theme song this year's it says Lord I can't speak for nobody but myself but Lord I am available Lord, I'm available to you. And so, Lord, my will I've heard people say over the years when you're going to take a church to another level I don't, I don't like the music and I have to remind them the music ain't for you. <laughs> <laughs> The music ain't about you. People say, well, you know, I'm just more comfortable in a small church. Well, it ain't about you. The 
That's why there are mega churches all over. Because this is not a day when you go to church to be seen. This ain't a day when you go to hug on the pastor every Sunday. This ain't that kind of day. This day is a day when you go to church to praise God. You don't care if you know your neighbor. You just care if you know God. You just care if you hear God's word preached. There is not a pastor over a mega church in the world whose name you don't know. Because it ain't about you. Make your job about you. This is my job. Don't try to take my job. It's hard enough as it is. There's a cost for putting this robe on. There's a cost for being a pastor. There's a cost for saying yes to the call. So don't try to be me. If you ain't done the work to get here, go find you another job. If you really think you're a preacher, then get your own church. That's all I got to say. We don't have the money to pay two. Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. When will you do it my way? It's just not about us. It's all about him. Lord, I'm available. I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. So use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. This is Lent. I'm just going to re, re, recommit myself. I want to hear your name called more than any name called in the church. Call the name of Jesus. Call the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. I'll do what you say to. Use me, Lord. To show someone I don't know the way. And encourage. Encourage me to say, Lord, that all that stuff about me, my, my storage is empty. And I am available. I'm available when I'm rested. I'm available when I'm tired. I'm available when I'm weary. I'm available when I'm joyous. I'm available when I'm up. I'm available when I'm down. I'm available to you. Until you take me home, Lord, I'm available. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say do. So just, just use me, Lord. All broken, messed up, still use me to show someone the way and enable them to see. 
Jesus say, Lord, have mercy, that my storage oh, Jesus, is empty. And I am available to you. Stand to your feet. to make that commitment today. It's getting late. <laughs> oh, it's getting late in the day.